Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey, welcome to the Inspired to Action podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because I'm talking with my friend Alina all about living overseas as a mom. And we've done an episode before, uh, Motherhood in Manhattan, with my friend Kristen Kill, about what it's like to mothers in different parts of the country, in different situations that some of us may not be familiar with. And that is one of the most popular episodes of the podcast. And I think this one is going to be so interesting as well. Because a lot of our motherhood experiences are relatively the same. Raising our kids here in the West, whether you live in the United States or England or wherever, uh, we have a lot of similar experiences of raising our kids. But today I'm talking with my friend Alina, and she's from Thailand. And so she's raised her kids for a few years here in the U.S. and then raised them for several more years over in Thailand. And we're going to talk about some of the struggles that overseas moms face how we as maybe state-sized moms or moms in our home culture can be an encouragement and a support to those who are raising their kids overseas. And we're just going to hear some of the different things that they encounter, some of, some of the trials that she's had, and some of the wonderful things, too, about raising her kids overseas. So we'll get into that chat in a little bit with Alina. But first, I want to say thank you to our show sponsor, PlanToEat.com. Now, I know I talk a lot about how much I love their service, how it really helps me get through the grocery store and get meal planning done for the week, but I also want to mention just what a great company it is. Every interaction that I've had has honestly blown me away, and I'll just go to my husband and be like, this is what they said. This is what they did. They're just... They're just amazing and they do business well and they're so honorable and I just love working with them. I've worked with a lot of companies over the years in of blogging and podcasting and this is just a really great organization and I just think that's important to know. I like to know that when I'm uh, investing into a service that it's just run by really great people and this is one of those. So if you want to get your meal planning in order for the summer, definitely Check out plantoeat.com forward slash inspire to action, and you can get their free 30-day trial and get all set up. I even have an e-course that'll walk you through the process of just jump-starting all your meal planning and having menu plans ready to go so that you can just drag and drop and shop. That was good, huh? That was funny. Anyway, okay, just go to mealplanningbootcamp.com and you can get access to all those videos and it'll walk you through how to get set up on Plan to Eat super fast and have everything all set for the summer. Now, I also want to mention that the Inspired to Action Planner is almost ready to launch. If you are not on my email list, please go get on it because I'm going to do a special pre-release on June 30th just to you guys. It'll be all ready. This is the final version. Everything's ready to go, but it's going to be a special pre-launch just for you guys, for the podcast listeners, for those on my email list. So go to inspiredtoaction.com and you can sign up for any of the things um, in the sidebar, the posts or the Maximize Your Mornings ebook, and you'll be on that list and be able to get that before it launches officially on July 7th. All right, let's get into our chat today with Alina. 
Hey, Alina, how are you doing today? Doing great, Kat. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you could be on the podcast today. We had coffee not too long ago, and I am just so fascinated by the idea of motherhood in a completely different culture, because I've never experienced that. I have lived in one city, in one state, in one country for my entire experience of mothering. And I loved chatting with you and hearing some of your stories. And I do know a lot of moms who are raising kids in other cultures, but I've never really, you know, brought anybody on the podcast and really gone behind the scenes on, on what does that look like? What are all the interesting different things that, that, uh, you experience as a mom in different cultures. Um, so I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, so for those listening, can you just kind of give a glimpse into what part of the world that you live in and um, a little bit about your family? Sure. Okay, well, my name is Alina, like you said. And uh, my husband and I, my husband Trevor, we met, I don't know, about 13 years ago in college. And we got married the end of my junior year, and right after we got married, went on our week-long honeymoon, and we came back to Texas is where I'm from, saw my family, went up to Illinois, saw his family, and from there, we moved straight to South Korea. We were offered a job, actually really random job we had never had any experience in, but uh, we were teaching homeschooling to Korean families, so not only teaching in a different language, but something that we never grew up doing. We taught homeschooling. It's kind of random. Uh, but we were never homeschool. Uh, but we, I mean, jumped right into cross-cultural living and then jumped right into a brand new job. So we were there in Korea for a year and, oh, had a rough, rough, rough six, first six months. But honestly, it really drew us close together. You know, some people counsel, uh, you know, new married couples not to move right overseas or even to a completely new place right after they get married. But for us, it really helped us to grow closer together. When we were stressed out, when we were, you know, confused about something, it drew us close to each other. So that was kind of our first year of marriage. The last six months, six, seven months in Korea was so much better. But after that, we moved back to Texas and uh, I was pregnant with my first child then. So See, I was six or seven months pregnant with my first, and now he's nine. His name's Jishiren. Then I have three more. So I have Hui, who's seven, Kyla, who's five this month, and Karis, who's a year and a half. So we're quite the busy, big family. <laughs> now, yeah. Had you, had you <laughs> ever lived overseas anymore? You would. About um, six years ago, we moved to Thailand. So we've been living in Thailand for six years now. And really love it. It hasn't all been, you know, uh, sunshine and roses, but <laughs> it's been great for our family. And it's where we call home now. So so for the first three years of motherhood, you still lived in the States. And then <laughs> three years into it. Wow. So three years into it, how many kids did you have at that point and what were their ages? When we moved, Jishuan had just turned three and Hui was one. Okay, I didn't even drive out of the state <laughs> when my kids were those ages. Have you always had the desire to live overseas? What What is it that that made you feel? I don't know about. I don't know if the word is confident, but that drove you to packing up your kids at such young ages, and when a lot of moms don't even want to be in the car for more than fifteen minutes yes, with kids that it. age to yeah. to go to the other side of the world. 
Well, um, both my husband and I, since I guess high, for me it was high school, and my husband for sure the beginning of college, just were really drawn to the international community. Just love being with people from different cultures and different nations. And uh, I don't know, it just it felt more comfortable, really curious about it and wanted to. So we, we both went on several trips short term to different places all over the world just to get a feel for what does it really mean to live in a different country. And so before we even were married, we were interested in that. So when we got married, we, you know, it's a good idea to have that kind of a talk with your husband <laughs> or wife. Hey, you know, um, where do you want to live? How do you want to grow up? Um, or how do you want your kids to grow up uh, whenever you have kids? And what do you think, you know, family life looks like? And for a lot of people, they love, and I think it's awesome, love the idea of settling, of really creating a home that their kids can have memories in from birth to when they leave to go to college. But for us, we really just were drawn to the the benefits of living in a different culture, constantly being challenged to look at things in a different way, and yeah, just getting a bigger picture of the world. So uh, we kind of threw kids into that. You know, we that was kind of what he and I enjoy. And said, well, how, how are we going to make it work for our kids? So the good thing about taking little kids over is they're way more flexible than bigger kids, I've heard. Okay. So it was a lot easier. Like when we left Thailand after three years to come back just for a visit, my, who was a one-year-old, my second son, he didn't have any real memories of America. So when we came back, the only quote-unquote memories he had were the ones he saw in pictures when he was, you know, Mm. birth to one years old. So he didn't really have any experience. What home was for him was Thailand. Mm -hmm. And even my three-year-old was that way too. I mean, when you're three, you don't really have that many true memories, just, you know, stories your parents tell you. So for them, we just focused on how are we going to create the best home environment for our kids overseas? They don't really know any better. Any time we tell them, oh, it's like this in America, or this is how it's different. That's news to them. So That's so interesting. Um, I'm curious to know if you grew up traveling or if you grew up kind of with that experience that you were talking about where you grew up in one city, one place your whole life. Hmm. Well, I, I never left the States till I guess I was in college. I moved a few times when I was a kid, but not much, really. I only remember one move when I was in fourth grade. I moved from as far as from Dallas to New Braunfels. So. <laughs> Which are, for those of you listening, are both in Texas. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, from Dallas area to, you know, right south of Austin is about, I don't know, three, four hours. Mm-hmm. So to me, I actually was so excited to move. Uh, but that's a be- just because I had a hard time making friends where I was, and I felt like it was a new start. Uh, so when I moved, it was a really exciting thing. I said goodbye to my one or two friends that I had, and I said, okay, I'm ready to start anew. And it was it was great. That's the only one I remember. And what about Trevor? Did he grow up in one spot, or did he travel around when he was younger, too? He stayed in the same city. He was born um, born in one city and then left when he went to when he went to college in Texas. So he was from the north. So I guess there was sort of a culture shock going from yes. the north of the United States down to Texas. But yeah, that was it for him. So I don't know. It's just something God put in our hearts and 
we're made for it, I guess. <laughs> very interesting. Well, I'm just doing a little psychoanalysis with obviously a very small sampling because between you and me. Um, so you didn't, you know, move around very much. And I didn't necessarily move around a lot when I was little, but there was a lot of upheaval um, mm. and a lot of transition and change in my life when I was little. And so, and and the same for my husband as well. And so we are very much um, kind of set your feet in one spot and dig deep and plant yourself there kind Definitely. of people. But while we love traveling um, and, and love to do that as much as we can, we are very much, you know, we want to be in one place kind of people. And so I, you know, I'm just, um, I guess, psychoanalyzing. I wonder if people who grew up a little bit more steady, you know, obviously this isn't going to be true across the board, but you know, if that gave you kind of the foundation to be like, hey, let's go see what the world has. And then if the opposite is true, maybe people who grew up with a little bit more upheaval um, want that steadiness and security. So there you go, yeah, listeners, just a little, you can <laughs> psychoanalyze yourselves now. Okay. So you were a mom for three years in the States with all the amenities that we have here and, and, and the way that we mother and people are very particular, especially those first three years Yes, yes, yes. about what you should and shouldn't do and how to do this and how to do that and don't do this and don't do that. <laughs> Tell me what it, the, what it was like raising your first two kids for those first three years in the States versus raising your next set of kids for their mm -hmm. first three years overseas. Right. Well, I mean, I was constant like everybody else who, um, stays in, you know, around even just your home culture. You don't necessarily have to live, you know, around your family, around your extended family, because I didn't live around my extended family. But, um, you know, living in my home culture, having new babies, there's definitely standards. And it's it really is a, a lot attributed to culture. Um, you know, for instance, um, one time I was in Thailand and my little baby was sick. She had a fever. And uh, we're taught in the States, okay, your baby has a fever. One way to get it down without medicine is to give them kind of a, you know, a warm, tepid bath or whatever and let them play in it and bring down their body temperature. Well, my Thai friend who lives with us, actually, she said, oh, no, she was just really shocked and um, fearful for my baby because she said, oh, well, we, we've grown up believing that you don't get a baby wet when they're sick. It could cause them to get even sicker. <laughs> So I thought I had a, a kind of a, a point where I needed to choose, okay, am I going to honor the culture that I'm living in, my host culture of Thailand, or am I going to, you know, stick to my guns and what my culture has taught me since I was a little kid, I guess. And when you live in a different culture, those things come up that you don't even realize are things. Mm -hmm. So in America, I definitely, I had that all around me. You know, there's the pressure to keep up with the Joneses and when you go to, you know, go out to Target or <laughs> watch a commercial on TV, there's an image projected in front of you all the time of what it means to be, you know, a certain kind of mom. Um, but on the flip side, I don't want to paint it as all bad or pressure or whatever. But on the flip side, you've got tons of people that you can speak to in your in your you know, first language, your mother language, that are going to be able to give you advice and give you real life stories. And that's something you can connect with really easily. You know, I could call up my friends any hour of the day and go, I'm stressed about this, or what about this? And they were there for me. Whereas living overseas, um, one, I have to have the language to be able to communicate with the people around me. And two, 
I, I don't know, there's a level of risk in trusting people like, okay, I'm not used to this, the advice they'll give me or what I see in their life, you know, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, it was good though, for the first couple of years, I feel like I could get my head above water, so to speak with my first and my second. So um, my girls who are almost five and one and a half, they were both born in Thailand. So I feel like I kind of got the kinks out of learning how to nurse a baby and get them to actually sleep through the night and stuff like that uh, before I had them. So I feel like it was an easier transition. I think it'd be hard to have your first overseas without any, you know, experience beforehand. Right. So. So did you speak Thai before you went or was it something that you learned when you got there? Or do you speak Thai? Oh, I did not speak Thai before I left. I knew how to order a lime shake and some chicken fried rice. <laughs> and I knew how to say hello. That's all I knew how to say. Okay, so, can you teach us how to say hello? Okay. Well, if you're a woman speaking or a girl, um, you would say sawatdee ka. Oh, wow, that's and if hard. You're a, a boy, yes, you, can you say sawatdee? Can you say that? So what be the ka be ka so what be ka? <laughs> if you're a boy, you have to add crap on the end of everything. So okay, that's ka very interesting. So what be ka? Yeah, there you go. Do so I sound? Ka. Do I just make you feel like you're back in Thailand right now? There we go. I, <laughs> I feel so known. Thanks, God. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. So you learned it once you got over there. Yeah, and and. There's, you know, good and bad to that. The good part of that is that ties a tonal language. And so if I learn the wrong tone, a tone is, I guess, how would you explain that? How the, um, <laughs> the note of the word sounds. So if I say ma or ma, they're two different words in Thai. They're two different tones. So for us, it would on paper, it would kind of look the same in phonetics, but I have to get the tone right. Otherwise, I'm going to say two different things. I'm going to say come or I'm going to say horse. Those are, <laughs> the two, those are those mean. Um, two really different meanings. So I really had to be around Thai people all the time for me to learn language the right way. Mm-hmm. So. Was that difficult being ha- having kids? And obviously, you probably have to do normal everyday things and go shopping and do all that while not necessarily knowing the language? Did you have somebody there to help you? How did that work? Oh, um, I mean, really all of the above. It, uh, it made me really nervous and fearful, not excited to go to the market for the first time and try and get food by myself. I, I pretty much at first I stuck to the grocery store because then I could read how much everything was. But still, if everything was in Thai or if I was trying to look for something in the wrong place, I mean, I spent hours in the store just looking for something simple. And then who knows if it was even there. And then right when we moved there, the, you know, the difference in how everything costs, I'm trying to calculate in my head, oh, how much is this in dollars? And is that actually expensive? Or, and it felt like play money at first. We kind of joke other expats, other other people living overseas, they joke that if you know your host culture money feels like monopoly money at first. <laughs> You're just kind of handing it over, hoping someone doesn't rip you off. <laughs> like it just doesn't feel like real money. But um, as if going to the grocery store isn't stressful enough for any mom. Oh, totally. Throw in, right. you know, 
money conversions and not knowing the language. And I'm assuming at the grocery store, it was all set prices. But then at the market, you I'm assuming you have to like yeah. establish a price and do all that. Okay. Wow. There are those gracious vendors that have like a calculator, you know, and they can like type <laughs> the price. And But still, I don't even know if it's a good one. I, uh, I love going with some of my Thai friends because they can you know, say, oh, no, 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 that's too expensive. Or, oh, this is a really good deal. And they can get a better price than me because, uh, I don't know, uh, as a foreigner in Thailand, anyways, we're kind of stereotyped a little bit as having more money than most people. And so right. <laughs> I'm sure I pay a little more than local people. But well, um, I'm assuming, too, you didn't have mac and cheese. So you had to learn new recipes and that's right. all of that as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even cucumbers in Thailand look different. <laughs> I mean, mm. there are things that are like, oh my, how am I going to make this or that? So yeah, everything changes. What you eat and um, yeah, just what you spend. And, you know, when I take my four little ones into the market, it's just stairs all around. We We used to live in the south of Thailand where there are less foreigners. Now we live in the north. And in the South, it's like we were celebrities, which is fun <laughs> on one side and then not so fun on the other because anywhere we went, we drew a crowd and people were taking pictures and wanting to come talk to me. And I don't know Thai yet, but I don't know. I think after I got over a lot of culture shock, it, it, was, it was fun. I felt more like I had an extended family whenever I went anywhere because everyone was so interested to know. Mm -hmm. Oh, what are you doing here? And wow, you have so many kids. Aren't you tired all the time? <laughs> I hear that a lot. Are there are families not typically as big in Thailand if they if they mentioned how many kids you have, or is that just normal because people might say that here even? Yeah, you know, in Thailand you have to um, pay for school, mm -hmm. um, so we don't have the they don't have the public school option. Um, you know, you would say the public school there you have to pay, uh, and so. If you have more kids, that means you have to have more money um, all around. And then you want you want them to have a really good life. And so people tend to save up more for their kids than they spend on themselves, uh, which is sometimes true in the States and sometimes not. But, um, yeah, so they kind of did calculations in their head. Oh, my dear, <laughs> you have four kids. You must be a millionaire. Um, so, yeah, that was one thing. The, their average average uh, number of kids in their homes was one or two. And if you had three, you were just bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> like they thought I was superwoman, And I love telling people all the time, I'm not, I promise. <laughs> so. so if you have to pay for school, I'm guessing that you don't send your kids to school there or how, what, what schooling situation do you do with your kids? Mm, that's a good question. So we, um, you know, when we, I had mentioned before, we moved to South Korea to train families how to homeschool. And I just, I had no clue at all, but I had to do a lot of research for my job. And I was, you know, reading more about it and training other people in it. And it just really, I don't know, spoke something to me and I really enjoyed it. And so when Jessie Ren was about three, we started really simple stuff, letters and colors and shapes and stuck with it ever since. So, so now he's in fourth grade, Hui is in uh, my second, he's in second grade, and then my daughter's starting kindergarten right now. So we're homeschooling, and we just kind of take it one year at a time. It's not, you know, don't think it's everyone's mandate to have to do it <laughs> for right. their kids. But for us, it's so helpful. 
Because we have to be flexible in our life as an overseas mom. We have to be flexible all the time. And so when there's a sickness or I have another baby or we have to travel home uh, to the States, it's really nice to be able to pack up school and take it with us or stop for a couple of weeks if we need to. So, yeah, that's what we do. So you mentioned traveling back to the States, which is where you are right now. Um, yep. I would love to hear how your kids have responded, particularly those that are younger and have not been here before or not as don't remember it as much. What are some of the things that surprise them about the States that most of the people listening and, and by saying the States, yes, I'm talking about a particular country, but uh, I'm in general referring to just kind of Western culture. What are some things that, that might stand out to them that we might not even think about? Okay. Um, well, everything is very orderly here. <laughs> Uh, we, I mean, right now I'm in the Midwest, and so kind of around farmland and, you know, wide open stretches and even just, I don't know, pretty advertisements and billboards. And in my country, we have, you know, honestly, uh, you know, a uh, hundred telephone wires or electrical wires up hanging up, you know, causing some kind of uh, electrical crazy safety hazard <laughs> up in the sky and there's um really pop-up shops everywhere anyone can you don't have to like take out a business license in thailand if you want to sell food on the street so there are mom and pop places and little food carts and then just like card tables set up on the side of the road with food and uh or anyone wanting to sell anything so it's really visually very busy so my kids we got here and they were like oh my goodness there's nothing. It's kind of boring even. <laughs> For them, it was visually like, I guess, not as stimulating. Uh, in Thailand, there's just so much going on, even in the country towns. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's one thing that stood out to them. But What do they I think, think about the, the food here? Oh, the food. Oh, mercy. <laughs> my my uh, baby, she still can't eat bread. Like she, she puts bread in her mouth and she's like, oh, she'd much rather have like rice noodles or rice or something like that that reminds her of home. That's so interesting because normally bread is the comfort food of choice for kids. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, my kids totally love peanut butter and jelly and all that stuff. I mean, my son, my eldest, uh, you know, I asked him, what's, what, are you, what are you so excited about going to America? He said, beef jerky. <laughs> <laughs> Like he loves beef jerky for some reason and it's his thing. But, um, you know, they're liking it, but there are a lot of things that are just weird, like cottage cheese. Like that, <laughs> that's weird. I mean, cottage cheese is weird. And I don't know, mayonnaise on white bread with bologna and processed cheese. Like they're like, oh, what is this stuff? <laughs> I guess things that we think are simple kid friendly things aren't for them. Mm. So they miss vegetables. and That's wonderful. I mean, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think, though, they, they're enjoying it. I think, uh, like us, like my husband and I, the food comes paired with people. You know, mm -hmm. we go to people's homes to eat. We go out to eat and get to spend time with people we haven't seen in a long time. And so I think, like any culture, we gather around food or around a table, and that's very comforting. And so they're learning to like different things because it brings them around people you know, barbecues and marshmallow roasts and stuff like that. I mean, what kid doesn't like marshmallows? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're enjoying those things. Part of our culture that we don't realize is culture. Mm -hmm. uh, food, 
food is really wrapped up in that. And um, so it's, it's fun for them to get a little taste of it, but they're starting to say, mom, I miss mangoes. And mm, I would miss mangoes miss too. Fish yeah. over the fire. And they love, I, I mean, I will say this, it's kind of a gross factor, but they love fighting over the fish eye and <laughs> the fried fish tail. And they love eating the inside of the, the, the mango seed and the pineapple core, the things that we throw away, you know, that they, they love like going after those things. Wait, the inside of the mango core or just the Just like the core. core. Love like chewing on it and like trying to eat as much of it as they can. Like all those things we throw away, like <laughs> peel everything in America and make it look all pretty. They just love all of it. So <laughs> that's very fun. So what yeah. do you what do you love about mothering in Thailand? What do I love? You know, it's challenging, but um, but in a good way. We our family's really been meditating on how trials and troubles and challenges really are for our good. So, um, you know, where that comes from is from the first chapter of James, um, verse two. Yeah, just that God has given us opportunity to persevere. And when we persevere, our character's changed. And then um, that, you know, at the end of the verse, in verse four, it leads to hope and not lacking in anything. And as a mom, I feel like a lot of the time, what we struggle with is, am I measuring up? And I, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? And I lack in a lot of things. I lack in wisdom. I lack in strength. I lack in patience. But really, if I persevere through trials, which living overseas brings a lot of that challenges, you know, it, uh, it's going to change me if I persevere. Now, if I give up, it's going to not. And I'm going to find that kind of trial pop-ups in some other way in my life. But it's really helped change me, which I think trickles down to my kids. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would think it would really draw you all together because there aren't many people in the world that can relate to being an American in Thailand and just the unique experience that you guys are having. And so you know, just even even on a small level, my family and I like to take huge summer trips and travel all over the place. And it's really an experience that only we know. And, you know, they you, you could raise your kids here in one particular small town and they could have identified with all these other kids that live in the small town. But I would think it would really bond your kids together in particular to have this sort of dual experience and, and, and really kind of shape who your family is and hopefully draw them closer together because they can relate to one another no matter which culture they happen to be in at the time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, they, they understand each other because a lot of the time they're the only ones around that totally get it, you know, that have the same, like you said, shared experience. I mean, there, I was thinking about the, yes, this yesterday. <clears throat> Here, they don't look to me as much um, for understanding or um, how they should act in certain social situations because, you know, they're working in their own language. They're, you know, in English. And in Thailand, I, I see them kind of their eyes dart to me a lot, you know, when we're mm-hmm. out, out of our house or when they're interacting with someone and they don't, maybe don't understand what they're saying or don't know the cultural rule that they should follow, they look to me Mm. or they look to my husband. They look to someone who's going to be able to steer them in the right direction because we really value as a family. We really have, you know, shared with them that we value honoring the culture around us rather than trying to push ours on other people. 
So, you know, they kind of, they think that, okay, I'm confused. What do I do? And then, boop, mom, what do I do? And they look at me with their eyes real big and I have to help them. And here they don't do that as much because I guess, I wouldn't say it's lazy, but um, I don't know. They feel more comfortable working in their own language. But when we're out and about in Thailand, they're constantly having to evaluate, oh, am I doing um, something that's going to honor other people and bless other people. And so they're reliant on us a lot. I feel like that's drawn us together. So. I love that. So I know we do have a lot of moms who listen, who are raising their kids overseas. What encouragement would you give them? Maybe maybe even in particular to a mom who's just recently moved overseas. Okay. Um, well, uh, one thing, whether you're about to or you're in the first stages of it, Preparation is huge. I mean, that's half the battle, I feel like. Um, getting a, su- a good support system uh, in your home country is really key. Um, <clears throat> like, I have people that I call um, or people that I email when I'm really stressed out or need prayer that I know are going are gonna to respond and they're going to be faithful to do it. And then in my city, I have other expats. I, I did want to say, define what the word expat means. I've been saying it a lot here. And people are like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> expat is short for expatriate. And I used to think, I'm like, how do I define that? It kind of sounds disloyal. <laughs> <laughs> expatriate, you know. But actually, I looked, I looked it up. It means a person who lives outside their native country. So I, I really look to other expats who've lived in my country for longer than me. And I, I go to them when I have, you know, uh, when I need support. So I'd say preparing to get a, and getting a good support system is super key. But then, um, you know, you could try and learn language and study about your country and your home culture a lot. But then when you get there, sometimes you just have to throw things out the window. Mm. I mean, like you, you expect like it's going to be a certain way, but then your country throws you for a loop and you're just like, what? And you just have to be flexible. So that's, that's one of the biggest things I've learned as a person. I'm, I'm a, you know, on the Myers-Briggs, we talked about that before. Yes. I'm a J. And so I do not live in a J culture at all. I live in a very P culture. So I'm constantly have to throw out my J-ness mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, how, <laughs> How can I be more flexible, be more laid back, and have my own order, but then be ready to, um, you know, be hospitable at the drop of a hat or respond in patience when I just want to, you know, scream or pull my hair out because I'm in traffic again or it's hot (laughs) again or the mosquitoes are biting again, like, and I just want to run away. Um, So I think uh, knowing that you need to be flexible is is, is like a life raft, you know, yeah. <laughs> just rest and being flexible and you'll be okay. Well, I think that's just excellent wisdom for motherhood in general. Develop a strong yeah. support system and know that at any point in time, you're going to have to throw everything you expected or thought out the window. I mean, that's, yeah, that's just motherhood wisdom right there. And, and, and re- in regard to the whole support system, um, I know right now I am in a Hello Mornings group. For those of you who don't know, I have another site called hellomornings.org, and it's basically about helping women start their day um, on purpose and spending time with God, exercising, and planning their day. And uh, we have little groups. And so one of the groups that I'm in, 
uh, one of the women in the group lives overseas. And it's been so fun. I, I knew her from back in college. And it's just been really neat to connect with her. And I know that when she comes back to the States um, for you know a visit or whatnot, we will have you know, me and then the other women in the group will have a much deeper connection with her because we've been keeping up with her uh, through, we actually use the app called Voxer and, and we connect and talk every day. And, you know, that's a, a great way to develop that support system. People back home that you can connect with all the time and and even and then the people like you mentioned, having expats there that have been there longer than you. Um, so if you are listening and living overseas, I highly recommend, honestly, if I can just promote my own other site, Hello do Mornings, it, because <laughs> I think it's just a great way, especially if you do it with people um, from your hometown or if you have a home church, staying connected with them. And, and it's a reason to connect on a daily basis mm-hmm. instead of just saying, um, hi, how are you? You have a reason to connect every single day. And it's a good way to keep in touch and, and keep those relationships going. And especially if you're in a place where there aren't a lot of believers um, mm-hmm. it's, there's something really special about connecting people in your own language and that are familiar with the things that you're familiar with. Um, so how can those of us who are stateside and be an encouragement to overseas moms? That's a good question. Um, well, first, can I just speak to one thing mm-hmm. I love? Maybe this is the tiniest coming out of me, but it's always good to have balance, um, in, in reference to talking about having a good support system. I do have to say Another wise thing about, you know, learning to live overseas well and encouragement to other overseas moms is making sure that you're not leaning uh, too much towards your support system at home and then Mm. you don't connect with the people in your culture. That's so good. Yeah. Not that I know, but I'm imagining that's so good. Well, you know, even, you know, my close family and friends, it just life happens and People get busy. People don't return emails. They get lost in the pit of your inbox, you know, or you forget to call and things like that just happen over the years. And I've, some of the sweetest times I've had in Thailand is when I look around at my Thai friends and I realize God has really put the lonely in families. I've dealt Mm -hmm. a lot with loneliness in different seasons, probably about three really hard seasons um, you know, of a month or two months, three months in Thailand where I've been real lonely. And every time God just brings to mind and to my attention that he's provided Thai friends for me, you know, a family, you know, outside of my, you know, blood related family or my home culture. And he's really given me people that I can be close with. So I would say that people who last well, uh, you know, for many years where they're at, They've learned to make friends in their culture. They've learned to make heart connections. And so that's, I just want to make a plug because I don't want anyone to, you know, swing to the other extreme of being on your Facebook feed for 10 hours a day and right, right. <laughs> like that. Um, Cause that, that can really swing to be unhealthy very quickly, but there is reality where sometimes you're going through culture shock um, and you're just kind of starting to reject everything around you and you hide in this hole of your, you know, the people that know you mm-hmm. from your home culture and your support system. And I think there's a good balance. You need to go to them cause they do know you. And then you need to choose people who can really push you back out into your host culture. You know, so uh, for me, I've had to really learn to balance that. That's, um, that's wisdom. Definitely. I, I 
don't have any experience living overseas, but I was a dorm director (laughs) right out of college while my husband was doing grad school. And I definitely saw that the, that the, and it was a, a freshman girls dorm at Baylor and the girls who transferred after the first semester or the first year, I would say overwhelmingly were the ones who did not commit to where they were. They went mm-hmm. home every single weekend. They, yeah. you know, they, they didn't just dig in and engage with where they were. And I can only imagine how much more that is true living overseas. And so, you know, finding that balance, that's just about, you know, being with the Lord and saying, okay, where, where do I invest right now? What do I need right now? And just being honest about that. That's um, good. So, so yeah, how can we encourage our overseas okay. friends? So actually, I asked some some friends um, because I, I thought about this beforehand, um, and I asked them, okay, what are some things that people have done for you? So some other of my friends living overseas, what are some things that have really spoken love, really spoken encouragement? And I have to say, if you're a gift giver, this is going to like blow your mind. You're going to love it. But <laughs> number one on the list was send boxes. <laughs> so send send gifts send notes, but one, the first one on there, it was like send, you know, care packages because I mean, I've gotten care packages before where I'm like, well, you know, none of this, I'm really, you know, I can't live without, but it's the act of preparing something, pouring your heart into what, you know, what is my friend going to need wherever they're at or what would they like or what would they, you know, just Mm -hmm. kind of love, not a need so much, but even just like once, like one of my friends said she loved getting magazines and, um, chocolate and, um, you know, some smelling candles because in our country, they don't have really good smelling candles, (laughs) kind of a funny thing. So, you know, they seem like simple things you could get in the dollar section of target or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, or you can, you know, dig in the bottom of your, uh, real simple pile and it's just laying around in your living room. But, um, you know, things like that show that you've thought of them. Mm-hmm. And so second on the list was um, notes or just a random email. You know, I send kind of SOS emails sometimes like, whoa, I'm really struggling with this or, you know, please pray for me about this. But when people send those out of the blue, hey, I love you. Hey, I miss you. Hey, I'm thinking of you. Hey, I think you're a really great mom. or Things like that out of the blue makes you feel so known. And remembered. Mm-hmm. So um, that, and then I want to add, coming to visit is huge. It's, you know, a huge sacrifice because a lot of people give up their vacation for the year when they come to visit or, you know, have to save for years and years. My sister came. She saved for several years to buy her plane tickets and come. But when she came, it was like, oh, glory. It was awesome. <laughs> it was, you know, her entering into my world. And me feeling so loved and then just having fun sister time. Mm-hmm. It was really special. Well, and, and then you can feel so known because even after she goes back, you can say, oh, I went to this place. And she'd be like, oh, I remember yes. that place. Yes. So when I explain things like, uh, you know, I'm tired of eating chickens with their heads still on <laughs> and – um you know, oh man, the centipedes in my house are really freaking me out. She like totally gets it because she. Okay, nobody's <laughs> going to come visit you after listening to this. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. That was <laughs> really awesome. Please come. Um, yeah, and you know, for my kids, they're young, 
And just to say, they, you know, they have really short-term memories. And so if you are able to make a trip over, they will never forget you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you you really were with them face to face. And I realize that that's that's not an easy thing for most people to do. But if you can swing it, do it. Well, and that can be such a great memory for moms who don't live overseas, but maybe they want their kids to experience another culture. I mean, how much more powerful is it to go and experience life with somebody who lives in a culture rather than going to another country, getting on a tour bus and seeing museums? You know, I mean, that can be a great way for moms that aren't ready to quite move overseas, but want their kids to experience that, to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, we, we know some close friends of ours. They have a family that regularly, every couple years, comes to just stay with them at their house. And they've got three kids. And, you know, they they really know what their real life is like. They mm-hmm. know what their homeschool is like. They know what, um, you know, all the boring food, <laughs> I guess, that the everyday stuff and, um, you know, electrical um how do you say? I'm, I can only think of the Thai word right now. <laughs> What's it called when the electricity goes out? Uh, like a blackout? Power. power yeah, whatever. <laughs> when you have a power outage. I, yeah, that sounds I good. Dot, I dot, that's all I'm thinking. Uh, when things like that happen and suddenly you can't wash your hair because there's no hot water or something. Like they get it. Things like that. So um, it's something you can't express to them if you stay in some resort hotel on the prettiest beach in Thailand and you eat um, really fancy food and all that. The, mm-hmm. the every day is really special, I think, for kids and um, for the moms who are taking care of them. So, yeah. Well, and you know, and it's just as fascinating, too. My husband and I went to France shortly after we were married because his family is from there. And his dad was living there at the time, and um, and his grandmother grew up there. So we, we visited his dad, who grew up in the States and speaks English, but was living there at the time. But then he took us to visit all of the family, and none of them spoke English. Mm. And so to me, it, I mean, everything was fascinating. And this is just France. It's not all that much different from the U.S. in terms of, you know, what everything looks like and, you know, overall general Western culture. But even so, every little thing was just fascinating to me. And so how much more so living in um, a culture that is a lot more different than the one that we may have grown up in. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to go do all those fancy, expensive things, because especially with kids, just all the everyday things that are a little bit different are fascinating and and, and fun to experience. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I uh, that you saying that makes me remember the whole balance thing again, you know, my life in Thailand, it looks very different from someone who moves to South Africa, looks very different than someone who lives in Western Europe, you know, to South America. I mean, my story is just one part of a really big picture of what it means to live overseas, what it looks like and what our everyday is. I mean, you know, as a homeschooling mom, I have a certain perspective on my house and my kids and whatever. Someone who sends their kids away to boarding school has a really different experience than me. And so, yeah, I definitely don't listen to <laughs> just all my talks about centipedes and curry <laughs> and things like that. Um, it's just one small picture. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's good to just like what you said. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be the fancy. It doesn't have to be the elephant rides through the jungles. It's the really basic, simple things. Yeah. They can really make an impression on people. So is it annoying to be asked 
what life is like over there. So, so for all the moms listening, a lot of them probably know people who live overseas somewhere. Is it um, fun for uh, typically for a mom who lives overseas to share about all of that, uh, or or is it kind of a, a burden? So, would you encourage moms listening to just go engage with friends that they know that live overseas, or give them a break? Mm, that's sweet. I mean, yeah, it probably depends on the mom, but I think, I mean, I think it's human nature that everyone is like, everyone wants to be known. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, especially if you have no idea or have never been to your friend's country, it speaks volumes of love to them to just listen to even one story. Um, you know, something that my kids have to deal with. Um, I don't know if I've used the term yet. They're, they're called TCKs or third culture kids. And, um, Basically, as third culture kids, TCKs, they share a lot of stories about living in Thailand. And I've heard other people say, hey, can we stop talking about Thailand? Hey, can we, uh, can we uh, I don't know, talk about here? Or thanks for one-upping me again. You know, don't <laughs> say that exactly. But it starts to sound like that mm -hmm. because, um, you know, that's all that they've known. And when they go, when we go back to our home country for a visit, I mean, the, the differences for them are so staggering. And so it's just kind of normal for them to point it out. So um, for a TCK or an adult person who's living overseas, um, it's really it shows a lot of love that you would be patient enough to listen to their stories mm -hmm. um, rather than, I don't know, switching conversations to something that's happening in American politics that we have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, huh? So, um, yeah, ask the good questions. Ask about food. Ask about struggles. Ask about how to, um, I don't know, even steer their thoughts to things that they love about where mm -hmm. they live. Um, I think that's one thing I like to highlight and not to try and one-up or, you know, say my country is better than yours. But I, I really like to highlight the things I love living about. Um, in Thailand because it helps my attitude. Mm -hmm. um, if I am constantly saying, oh, my dear, if I sweat anymore, I'm just going to have a nervous breakdown <laughs> or I'm so tired of haggling for prices at the market again, if that's constantly coming out of my mouth instead of, man, I love how Thai people have challenged my hospitality issues or man, I, I love how generous my neighbors are. You know, it could, I could go on and on. It really affects my attitude. So as a friend, if you want to steer someone in the right direction, start asking the things they love about mm -hmm. where they live. And I think you'll be really helping them even without them even knowing it. That's great. Now, you actually have a whole site dedicated to moms who are living overseas. Can tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's brand new. It's really in the baby stages, but um, the site, it's called, ironically and simply enough, <laughs> it's called Overseas Mama. So uh, mama, like M-A-M-A. -M -A. And is that .com? Yeah, .com. Okay. We actually, the writers, I have a team of writers, and we went back and forth. How do we want to spell mama? You know, because <laughs> people spell mama differently. Um, yeah, but it's Overseas Mama, M-A-M-A, -M -A, one word, um, .com. And we just, you know, people from all over the world uh, just sharing about real life, uh, sharing about hard things, sharing about good things, sharing about how we've, you know, 
tried to cope with where we live and then just things that are going through our minds. And so it's been really good for, for the writers to be able to share. And then also I've, I've been starting to hear good feedback from other people who live overseas that it, it's really given some on paper words to all the feelings that are swirling around in their heads. And so hopefully it's starting to be a blessing to people. Well, and you say it's new, but I don't want the people to get the impression that, you know, it's this kind of random thing that Alina has sort of thrown together. It is a great site. And and she even oh, has um, a, a free, I guess it's like a PDF about how to survive language school. So this is something that is well thought out and that is a great resource for you. So you, if you are a mom living overseas, you definitely want to go check it out. They're being so intentional and purposeful about it. And I think you guys are doing a really, really great job. And it's honestly just interesting for me to read. I read an article the other day and um, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was That's something okay. about how people like they were going back to the United States and they had explained to their kids that kids don't just use the restroom anywhere like apparently they do in their country. Yes. And I was like trying to wrap my head around that. And I, I kind of want a little more detail on how that works. But it was just so <laughs> fascinating to me. And so even as, you know, I'm not an overseas mom, but it's just super interesting for me to read about. And I do have um, a lot of friends who live overseas. And so I feel like it's it's helped me to understand a little bit, you know, a little bit more what they're experiencing and what some of their challenges are. So if you are mm -hmm. an overseas mama, definitely go check that out. Um, Alina, uh, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for sharing your story and um, and the encouragement for moms, really for moms overseas, but those encouragements were, were just as practical for moms here. So thank you for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for inviting me. All right. I hope you have a great day, Alina. Thank you. You too. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Kat. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you would take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way.